Good morning. Today is Friday, January 15th, 2021. There is a classic question in our Parsha. It's been asked thousands and thousands of times, numerous answers, but a fundamental lesson that it comes to teach us. And that is, Moshe comes to Paro, like God says, and Moshe says, let the people go. And Paro says, no. Now the phrase that the Torah uses is that Paro hardened his heart. He used his stubbornness to refuse to agree to what Moshe asked. Okay. The problem is that a little bit later in our Parsha, after the first five of the plagues, the Torah changes the formulation of that phrase and says that God hardened Paro's heart. Now that's a problem because if it's God who is causing Paro to refuse, then Paro has no responsibility. He did not choose to refuse. Maybe on his own, he would have agreed by that time to what Moshe was asking. How is it possible that free choice was taken away from Paro? <clears throat> the Rambam, Maimonides, gives one answer. He says that the taking away of Paro's free choice was a punishment for the first number of times where Paro on his own chose to refuse God's command, Moshe's command. And Maimonides says, the Rambam says, sometimes a person could do something wrong and the punishment that God will give is to suspend their freedom of choice. To use the words of the Rambam, in translation, God closed the door of repentance on Paro so that he was not able to repent and to change his mind. That was a punishment for having chosen incorrectly the first number of times. Okay, that's one opinion, the Rambam. Another opinion, this is given by Sifarno, is if you look at the Hebrew word, the literal translation of the Hebrew word is not that God hardened, but God strengthened the heart of Paro. And what Siporno says is, in fact, God simply gave Paro the stamina, the backbone to maintain his freedom of choice. You know, um, if, if you're torturing somebody, God forbid, and they make a decision, you can't really say that that decision is made under free choice. It's made through torture. Similarly, Paro was being, in quotation marks, tortured by the plagues that God was bringing. And the normal thing would have been for Paro, for Paro to be unable to exercise free choice because he was at, excuse the, uh, inapt analogy, he was at gunpoint. 
So what God did is God strengthened Pyro's heart so that even amidst the torture, he was able to think clearly and choose to decide, I'm still going to refuse what Moshe is asking and what God is commanding. All right, that's another approach. And many other approaches among classic commentators. But you do see among all the answers, a reluctance to simply accept the text of the Torah as it is that Paro had no free choice. And the reason for that is because having free choice is a fundamental belief of Judaism. The Rambam explains in his 13 principles of belief, Yud Gimel Ikrim, one of them is that every human being at every moment has the freedom to choose between right and wrong. And that is essential because that's the only way that God can hold human beings accountable. If we're not able to choose right or wrong, Number one, we should not be punished for choosing wrong. Number two, we cannot be rewarded for choosing what is right. Since the purpose of the entire creation of the world is for God to create human beings with free choice and to choose correctly, to give us mitzvos and temptations not to perform those mitzvos. And when we observe them correctly to reward us, because that's what God wants, to reward us, well, if there is no free choice, then no reward is possible, no punishment is possible, the purpose of the whole world is no longer there. So this problem is an ancient problem, this question with lots of different answers. But Rabbi Jonathan Sachs points out, if we look at the trends within modern times, we see in various fields among disparate people an accumulation of challenges to the notion of human freedom. Karl Marx talked about history being formed by the pressures of economics. Freud talked about the fact that we are driven to certain activities and decisions because of our unconscious. Darwin talked about how our choices are really not our own, but are simply the result of which choices lead to evolutionary success, and on and on and on. Even today, modern neuroscience looks at the brain and the way in which certain decisions are, in quotation marks, caused by aspects of our brain even before we make a conscious decision. Now, that's all very interesting, but it misses the central point that leaving aside the fundamental belief of Judaism, if we genuinely lack freedom to choose, then our whole sense of what it means to be human dissolves. What does it mean that we choose anything, that we become anything? Uh, we just become uh, robots following our program. At the same time, we certainly recognize, Rabbi Sachs points this out, 
that there definitely are people who, as a result of their actions, clearly are not able to exercise freedom of choice. Just give a couple of extreme examples so you see from the extreme how wide it is. A person who, God forbid, has an addiction. So that means that a person, let's just, just use an example of drug addiction, but it could apply to anything. It could apply to addiction to your cell phone. Uh, it could apply to addiction to work. <laughs> just thinking of all the addictions that I have now, but let's just take it further afield for a moment. Let's talk about drug addiction. So a person chooses to inject drugs. The first few times a person will choose it of the, their own free choice. And then they become habituated. And with each time that they choose, it becomes more and more difficult to refuse until a person reaches a level of addiction where they really are not able to choose to refuse to do that. It applies in all kinds of areas. It applies with eating. It applies with um, seeking thrills. It applies in so many areas that the more often we behave in a certain way, the harder it is to break that habit. And modern science looks at that process. How many times does it take? to become habituated or addicted. Of course, there are positive ways to be habituated as well. I don't mean only negative. The same thing happens in the positive. But how many times does it take? And then how, what is the process to unhabituate ourselves? And how long does that take? So from this modern conception, we could posit a new way to look at what is happening with Pyro. Pyro chooses to refuse Moshe's command, God's command. Each time Pyro refuses, he becomes habituated in that decision. And each time he chooses it, it becomes harder and harder for him to change his mind. It becomes by the Fifth, by the sixth plague, it becomes something like an addiction, a habituation that his, he is really not able to exercise freedom of choice at that time. In other words, Rabbi Sachs suggests, freedom is not a given and it is not absolute. I don't think the Rambam Maimonides would necessarily agree with this, but Rabbi Sachs's position certainly seems borne out in the way that we see the world today and by many of the commentators that discuss this problem with Pyro. And so we benefit on the positive side from rituals. What is the benefit of getting up every morning and, uh, and, and logging on to 10 at 9? We habituate ourselves. If, if it becomes a ritual, then it becomes much easier for us to choose to do it. If we daven every day and say the same prayer every day, why not say a different prayer every day? Well, a lot of reasons, but one of them is that repetition of that ritual habituates us, that makes it easier for us to choose to continue that, harder for us to resist it. 
and in general when we repeat actions behaviors or thoughts they become habituated it becomes easier on the positive side that's a benefit and of course on the negative side that is a tremendous burden and that's why we need to be very very careful at the beginning before we've become habituated to be in the practice of asking ourselves should i do this may i do this is this who i am and what i stand for because a person if they do not ask those questions at the very beginning could easily slip into the situation where they're no longer able to make that choice. That's why it is so important to exercise our freedom of choice, especially at the beginning, because we may come to lose it. Freedom is less a gift than an achievement, writes Rabbi Sachs. Paro, the most powerful man on earth at his, in his time. He could lose his freedom of choice simply by the habituation of the choices that he made initially. We need to remember, freedom is a muscle that needs to be exercised. And we have to make sure that we are exercising it at the very beginning so that we do not lose it. And I think that this is a real life, practical, relevant application of this fundamental principle, using Paro as a model of what not to follow, that we need to incorporate into our lives every day. My friends, I wanna wish you a great day and a wonderful Shabbos. And I look forward to seeing you soon in person.